You know, when I think of what happened to my ex-partner, I get mad, huh? Yeah. What happened? He uh, knocked on the wrong door at the wrong time, and instead of being greeted with a friendly hello officer, he was greeted with a surly blast of a shotgun held by some offensive-odored repeat offender trying to make a name for himself by being a big, bad boy, burly cop killer. Is that what happened? No, uh, he retired. Retired and uh, moved to Florida. Put on a ton of weight. Went bald, you know. Sorry, man. What happened? This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, G. Simon. So we have a sub here today, uh, Sleazy E. Thanks for filling in for filling the show. In again, yeah. I, 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 no, seriously, I, I appreciate you filling in. You're always willing to fill in on short notice, which is good, because we never know Wackerly's schedule. Yeah. You don't know when all those sci-fi, sci-fi conventions are going to be, or the you know like the the Blake Seven nights. Yeah, that's that's the thing, and and this is funny, and I you know I don't want to I don't want to rip on Wackley. I never rip <laughs> yeah, on Wackley. Yeah, He's do. one of the best. Okay, I do like to rip on Wackley, but Wackley texted me and was just like, "Dude, I can't do the show tonight." I was like, "Why can't we do the show tonight?" He's like, "Well." Sci-fi Club has a meeting where um, that I can't miss, and I was just like, "Dude." We have a sick and wrong podcraft going on tonight. What do you mean the sci-fi club has a meeting? Yeah. And so I was like, what's going on? He goes, LeVar Burton is uh, doing a speech, and a sci-fi club's going to go out and check it out. And I'm like, LeVar Burton? Where have I heard that name? <laughs> and then I was thinking, who? and then I texted him back. I was like, who's LeVar Burton? No do you know I, who LeVar Burton is? I have is? no idea who that is. I was like, who's LeVar Burton? And then I was like... He goes, Jordy? I was like, Jordy? He's like, Jordy LaForge from Star Trek Next Generation. I was like, oh my God, dude. You're going to go see a guy from the Star Trek instead of coming on Sick and That's Wrong. That's the guy with the funny like, eyes, right? He's got their, like, he the sunglasses visor, on. Like that visor is he a robot on? or is he just blind? He's like a, a robotically enhanced human, I think. is what He was blind. Uh, they gave him, but like, he's not cyborg a cyb- eyes. No, what, do the, what do they call the... the, the uh, he's not like... Uh, Cyber, data. No. He's not like data. No, but like, what's that? What's the the evil ones that like uh, the have, the Borgs? The Borgs. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah. he's not a Borg. He uh, was a human, but I think they like modified his. I can't eyes. believe we're spending so much time to, to T- talking about this. I know exactly. <laughs> but you know, so I was ready to rip into Wackerly and be like, dude, I can't believe you've forsaken me like this. But then I was thinking, Wackerly has this strange nerd conflict going on in his life. Right. He's he's seriously a nerd being torn in two directions. He's got this one nerd outlet, podcrafting. Podcasting, right. I mean, okay, yeah, you got your, your cool Adam Carollas and your Joe Rogans doing podcasts and your D. Simons. Put me in there. But uh, you got the cool guys doing podcasts. Yeah. But then, I mean, for the most part, it's pretty nerdy. It's a, it's a computer radio, a radio show you listen on your computer. It's called podcasting. That's nerdy. But I mean, would you? I mean, uh, what you know? What's the the tall guy, geezer that does a the comedy show? Um, what are you talking about Adam Carolla? He, no, the other. You know, the, the long. The St- oh wait, the guy Steve. that's Ricky Gervais's buddy. Yeah, well, I mean, like Ricky Gervais is—is is he a nerd? Well, I guess I guess Stephen Merchant's kind of a nerd. Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant's kind of a nerd. Ricky Gervais isn't a nerd, but the medium where we're working in is nerdy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. So. You know, Wackley's got this one nerd outlet, the podcast, but he's also got the sci-fi club. So he's he's being pulled apart in two different ways, and usually he has to make the call. They're both super nerdy. They're, they're both right. completely nerdy. Right. And so I kind of understand, you know, sometimes he's got to make the call. And uh, I can't do the show tomorrow because i got a show to go to. So really, you know, we're, we, we, we came to odds this week, and uh, he chose to go check out LeVar Burton speak. At some you, auditorium in San Francisco. So you guys have to put out with you know, me. I, you know, personally, I think there's some nerd minge 
in the sci-fi club that's influencing his decision here. Well, there's probably more than there, there is here right now, so... Maybe, but yeah. I, yeah, I think what he's going to do is he's going to take her to go see LeVar Burton, and he's going to impress her with his Star Trek knowledge and his knowledge of Pascal. <laughs> and, and next thing C++. you know... Yeah, C++. And next thing you know, he's going to get some uh, nerd minge. So maybe that's what's influencing his thoughts. So anyway... Thank you, Sleazy E, for filling in on short notice. You're welcome. And here tonight for episode 228. Yes. And uh, people, we actually lined up a special interview for everybody that uh, somehow, by some twist of fate, that Sleazy E managed to uh, arrange for us. We actually have an interview with a member of the San Francisco Police Department, an officer of the law here on Sick and Wrong. And I love doing interviews like this. Right. Seriously, I, I get I, I get really excited about doing interviews with people that are real working professionals in a field <laughs> that, that, that are fascinating. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the people right. that have real jobs. Right. It's like when, when we interviewed uh, the one guy, the paramedic guy. Yeah, and you know, it's like that guy's that guy's fascinating. It's interesting hero. what you what you see. Yeah, you know, I don't even know is a is a cop a working class. Mm, yeah, job, well, is it? I, I guess technically, I don't know. Yeah, I don't a, know. I would no. say okay, a working hero, a working hero, a working yeah, hero, yeah, and so yeah. it, it's good to know. And so this guy, um, which you told me about, he's an officer from the San Francisco Police Department. He's worked undercover in the Tenderloin. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's almost even more relevant. Yeah, it's very relevant to. Uh, to so his... you got to ask me how how did you hook this up? Like, I, I, dude, I've been emailing. Cops from the, at, at, you know, I've, I've read about you know different cops and the SF Chronicle. I'll send him an email. Yeah, well, that's like cold calling, isn't it? You know, like he he's like a friend of a friend, um, and I, you know, I I, I was talking to him uh, one night, and uh, and he had some you know good uh, in, information and good stories to tell and stuff. So I thought like you know I just thought I'd throw it out there, and he was and totally he, down. Yeah, and he agreed. I was actually so, somewhat surprised that he actually agreed. So well, I like that, that he's taken steps to uh, ensure his anonymity. Yes. So we, we got to call him Officer Forty Three. Yes, I don't even know his real name. No. I don't even know what he looks like. I've, I've kept. I've even kept that from you. So. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of questions that uh, I'll go. You know, I'll ask him about it. I'm sure there's a lot of questions that he probably can't answer. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, he's representing the SFPD. Well, that yeah, the, and his his bosses, but also his uh, you know his identity, his, his I mean, identity yeah, out yeah. there on the street. So. You know, so yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. So we got an interview here with uh, Officer Forty Three. Is that why you're not drinking tonight, there, Sleazy? <laughs> no, actually, uh, is it because you want to be your a... best best behavior? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to be all slurring my speech and uh... <laughs> <laughs> fucking cops, you fucking fuck authority. <laughs> No, I, I can see that. But yeah. I mean, what, what, what are you doing? Are you no, a teetotaler I just said, now? I, yeah, well, yeah, I thought, you know, like, I wondered yeah, if I could wagon. do it. I could, I could, on the, yeah, on the wagon, right? Yeah, on the wagon. How I long thought, have you done this? I've for? been, well, so far, what, three, three weeks, so. Three weeks without yeah. any, no beer? No, nothing. No. Nothing? No, no. Wow, how does it feel? Do you feel better? You know what? It's been years. I feel, yeah, it's been I've years. And I feel, actually feel better, like, physically feel better. But you can't relax, you know, like, I feel, like, angry, you know what I mean? Like, like you all wound up Yeah, all the time? wound up, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, I wonder... I think is, it's a good, it is a good thing to have a beer every so often at the end of a, you know, a tough week or whatever. It calms you down. I think it winds, I, th- I think people need, you know, relaxation something, activity. Some kind of release. Something, some, yeah. some kind of release. I mean, I actually, you know, I, I've been going to the gym a little bit. Uh, more because because you know instead of going out and that that does calm you down but I mean a good beer at the end of the day is is See, what the doctor ordered. Well, you're okay, you're saying so. like you know one beer maybe two not yeah 15. not fifteen yeah <laughs> when you have fifteen <laughs> and I think that's 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 then the you issue fall, that I've been facing yeah then you, know? you it's like I wouldn't mind it's just difficult to do when all of your friends drink so what do you do when you go to the bar well, just that's have the a thing, you order you know, you can you, have a coke. Yeah, you, you know, like so much of his social life is, a, is, a, is a, you know, it revolves around drinking. Yeah, and it's you feel very much out of place when you're at a bar and everybody's half cut, you know. So what happens when you finally like? Do you feel like one day you're like, all right, I've had enough of being a teetotaler. I'm gonna go right back into drinking. You do it hard. Like, oh, I'm, get a whole I'm bottle of Jack. I'm looking forward to the to the end of the month. Right. So you're doing one month, one that's month, it. Yeah. It's one month. Well, yeah, but I'll, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to jump straight back in, but the first night of back on that is going to be a good night. Wow. My hat's off to you. I want to, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're done with a month and you're back into drinking. 
Oh, sure, we're gonna you'll go be involved in I, Yeah, we're going to go out because I want to see how drunk you're going to get. That's going to be great. All right, well, let's give uh, Officer 43 here a call and uh, learn what it's like to be an undercover cop in the Tenderloin. Hey, Officer 43, it's uh, D. Simon and uh, Ian calling from Sick and Wrong. How's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Oh, good, good. Hey, thanks for being on the show. I'm actually uh, been quite excited about this when uh, Ian told me that you're going to come on. Okay. Well, well, you're kind of an atypical guest for us, but you're the type of guest that I love to have on the show. Like, we've had paramedics, we've had some, some emergency medical professionals, a couple morgue workers on the show, but it's always fascinates me. Right, right. Um, you know, to have like a real working professional on the show, and you're the first law enforcement officer we've had, so I'm quite stoked. Cool, thanks. Yeah, so uh, let me know if there's any questions you can't you can't answer. Just say no comment, whatever. Completely understand. Yeah, just I guess I start off by saying, you know, this is all whatever I say is all my personal opinion based on my own personal experiences, and it's no way a reflection or representation of our department. No. Okay, gotcha. now with that disclaimer, <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> that out of the way. So, uh, Officer 43, how long have you worked for the uh, SFPD? About 10 years. About 10 years. What what inspired you to become a police officer? Um, wow, that's a good one. Uh, was, it, my, was, uh, it, was it something like uh, watching the Dirty Harry movies when you were a kid? What's that? <laughs> I missed that one. Well, what was that like? Were you inspired by the Dirty Harry movies? Because wasn't that San Francisco? No, my mom wouldn't let me watch any of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what, what was the inspiration? What, what made you decide, you know what, I want to be a cop? You know, it was kind of a whim. I went to college, and I was in, in a completely different profession, and, and I wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And a few, few of my friends were and said, hey, you should take the test. And I said, nice, why not? You know, I didn't really consider it as something very serious. And then, uh, lo and behold, it was a good fit, and uh, I've been enjoying it uh, ever since. So, so <laughs> it worked out. It, so is it just a test, or is there like a police academy? Because I'm familiar with these Steve Gutenberg movies. <laughs> it, it does, is there a police academy? It, it, it's a little different than that. It's not very popular belief. But yeah, there's a there's a written test, and then there's a uh, psychological test, like a written psychological, and then there's an actual like a lie detector uh, test, and a background investigation, and an oral interview. It's actually pretty extensive, and the police academy is about six or seven months. That's, that's wow. fun. But you, you get paid for being at the police academy and stuff, right? Uh, yes, you do. They play the, um, the pay rate's a bit uh, a bit lower. You know, They don't right. classify you as an officer, so they pay you a bit ro- lower. But you are getting paid while you're in there, so that's, that's right. good. I, I think if I wasn't getting paid, I would have quit pretty quick in that thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So when you, when you graduate from the academy and you're a rookie, are you a beat cop, like a uniformed police officer? Yeah, there's a there's a general um, uh, training program that you go through, um, field training program uh, that you do in uniform with you know senior training officers. And I don't, you know, it's changed some. I don't, I don't, re- I don't even remember how long it was when I went through. But it's your first thing out is definitely in uniform and a marked car and stuff like that. Do they party you up with like a veteran? Yeah, you basically there's a, a whole process uh, of training officers that that you go through, and that incorporates. Uh, like, uh, you your, look through your history and, and um, an interview and stuff, and it, it's supposed to be all uh, senior officers that are supposed to be good trainers. It's not always the case, but, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So you started out as a B-cop, and then you've been in the force for 10 years. So what part of the uh, SFPD do you work for now? Um, I work, I don't know if I want to, I want to, well, not specifically, it's kind of a, just uh, it's kind of a, a specific niche that may, you know. Okay, but I mean, do you work? Uh, do, you, do you bust prostitutes? Do you primarily go for drug abusers? Like, what type of? Uh, um, I would say my focus is probably like violent crime and uh, and and narcotic stuff. Uh, I haven't really done too much stuff with uh, prostitution-related crimes, but I have a pretty wide a uh, wide variety. But I, you know, probably. Majority of stuff's related to narcotics and uh, and guns and violence. So when it's narcotics and guns and violence, do you go after a lot of, uh, is it like organized crime or is it gangs? Is it like, uh, you know, suspects? 
Well, it's probably it's, it's really a combination of all of the above because there is uh, some organized um, crime in San Francisco. There's certainly uh, gang problems in San Francisco, and then there's just um, general criminals that are a problem in San Francisco, and some of them are particularly violent. So it's pretty much the whole gamut. Yeah. So how does San Francisco compare with gang activity to like cities like L.A. or or you know uh, New York or Baltimore? Uh, well, what do you mean in terms of uh, like how many like how many active gangs are there in this city versus like L.A.? Well, certainly a lot less than L.A. I mean, L.A. is kind of your uh, I guess your ground zero for for gangs for like street gangs. You know, that's where pretty much all that stuff originated with the Blood Crips and all that. Right, right. Um, but do they have like I mean, active street gangs in San Francisco? Yeah, certainly. There's there's a uh, a lot of different. Um, gangs in the city here so how do the how do the police deal with gangs i mean is it are they trying to break up the gangs or are they just kind of like all right we're just trying to maintain peace well you know i think that's probably one of those those questions that's more along the lines of i don't really necessarily know the 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 city and the department's uh, official uh um strategy or what have you in that so typically that changes depending on who's and control the department and, and what have you. Right. Yeah, and then and what's their what's their particular but, focus? I mean, is it like a you know like a jump twenty one Jump Street kind of thing where you like like younger younger guys go in undercover and stuff like that? Well, you know, most of the undercover stuff is is more related to like um, drugs, like buy bus, um, getting drug dealers off the street, or, or prostitution and stuff. Some of the stuff where you're actually infiltrating organizations and stuff is. A little more difficult to do, and it's usually done by uh, federal agencies with a little bit more uh, more money, I suppose. You know, just resources to do that. As far as SFPD, there's not not too much of that. So, like, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't go under underground for like months at a time or whatever like that. No, certainly nothing that I've ever done or anything that anyone that I know has ever done anything like that. Doesn't mean it doesn't doesn't happen or you know. Right. So, do you ever have to work undercover? Yeah, I've certainly done a lot of that stuff. I've. Uh, what What does that entail? Like, when you go undercover, what does that mean? Well, I guess it's kind of a technical difference. When you're undercover, you're kind of essentially pretending or, or trying to blend and as not being a, a cop, as opposed to just um, when you're out of uniform, um, you're just in street clothes, but you're not necessarily trying to pretend you're not a cop. You know, like most people know who you are. Right. Most criminals recognize you as being a cop. You can't jump out of a Crown Vic with... You know, yeah, <laughs> best on and have too many people go. Huh? Oh, they don't look like cops. <laughs> well, you know, I've always wondered that because I live in the Tenderloin and I live, you know, right on the around O'Farrell Jones area, and I've seen uh, cops driving like unmarked police cars, but wearing plain clothes. Yeah, so those are just the normal plain clothes cops out there. They're not undercover stuff. I mean, I've spent um, a lot of quite a, probably hundreds, thousands of hours in in and around your neighborhood in the Tenderloin just. As undercover buying uh, buying drugs down there, you know. Is is the Tenderloin like you know the biggest drug ridden area of the city? Yeah, it's definitely the, it's the hub. It's a it's a free market down there. You know, you don't have as much control. It's a, it's a big big um, area for people to come from all over the Bay Area. Actually, you know, people come from the East Bay. They come from the Peninsula just to uh, just to sell drugs in that area. Uh, it, it's it seriously is mind blowing. I was I was walking up from a Civic Center bar station just to my house. I was offered like eight different kinds of drugs <laughs> just walking up the street, and I was just kind of walking around like Jesus. I, mean, I don't even understand. It's like a seller's market out there. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's you know there's a lot of stuff out there. There's your kind of bread and butter regular stuff, and then there's a few things that are a little bit more rare, I suppose, or more pure. But well, I hear the term Pill Hill being thrown about. Where, where, what area of the city is Pill Hill? Is that the Tenderloin? That's in the Tenderloin. That's on uh, Leavenworth and uh, Golden Gate. Okay. Stop right there. That's right. not even a hill. Well, I guess it's on its way up to Knob Hill, I guess, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. I guess if you walk down to Marcus Street, there's that little hill. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it's technically a hill. So when you're undercover, are you wearing, like, so you're just plain clothes. You're not wearing a disguise, like a mullet wig, aviator shades, mustache, anything like that? You know, I, I, a mullet wig, I do I do have a mullet wig, actually. <laughs> you do? You, you've actually had to wear that for a bus. I've worn it yet, but I do have one. <laughs> 
So do you guys do sting operations or like stakeouts? Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean exactly by that? Well, okay. So mo- most of my general knowledge of police behavior and police, um, you know, uh, routines, the way they investigate crimes, is from movies. So it's like you know, you'll see a couple cops sitting in a car for the for like eight hours at a time, just eating pistachios. Does that ever happen? I don't know. <laughs> I guess not then. <laughs> but do you guys ever have to like sit out? Okay, we've we've you know had a call that there's some illegal activity taking place in this building, and you just got to stake it out for like four hours. Yeah, certainly done that. I just haven't eaten pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> so you like cashews instead, I guess, right? Yeah, no, no. It's I mean, you never know. Like, like that'd be something we would consider to be like a type of surveillance. You know, a stakeout. I guess it's kind of. It's a different terminology, but, you know, you could be watching a particular house, you could be watching a particular area. There's a lot of different things, but certainly there are some times, uh, you know, where you're doing that. The Tenderloin's not really a good place to do that because you can be there about three minutes before everyone on the block. Yeah, no, everyone's screaming five zero and running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know you hear that. Yeah, I always, That's what I always wonder about how, um, you know, these how successful these undercover cops can be. Well, I, I mean, I can tell you, just buying drugs down there, I've probably bought drugs down there uh, at least at least 400 times. Wow. <laughs> and and they they don't, like, you know, are you, are you busting the same people, like, that you busted last week or last month or whatever? Yeah, sure. Sometimes uh, sometimes you bust the same people uh, right away. I mean, there's a funny story I remember one, one time I was in court uh, for a guy's case in the the guy's case got continued, uh, and the same night I went out and bought drugs from him again. That was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't recognize you, or didn't even look at you, or what? Well, he looked at me, and he says, "I don't know you." And I go, "Yeah, you've you know you've hooked me up before." And he's kind of like, I think out of context, but it, it was true. He had hooked me up before. He just went for to jail for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see a lot of repeat offenders, though, like guys that you recognize? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So most of the dealers in the Tenderloin, do, I mean, do they have any discretion when it comes to dealing, or do they just want to make a quick buck? Well, you know, that's a, that's a good question. It really depends on the dealer themselves, you know, because you figure if you're a, a dope dealer, you're in a profession where every single time you make a sale or do a deal, there's the potential you're going to end up going to jail. That's <laughs> yeah, true. It's high risk involved. They're a little they're a little hinked up, and they're very, they're very nervous, you know, unless they've told you a hundred times. So do you ever go after the users, like the guys that are buying drugs, or is it mainly the dealers? Um, I mean, when you're do- if you're out doing an operation for a, a buy-bust, you're looking for sellers, you know, so yeah. the cop is doing patrol or arrest users, or if you're doing surveillance, sometimes you will arrest the user um, in order to arrest the dealer that just sold to them, stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's true. So do you typically work mainly like in downtown San Francisco or are you pretty much all over the city? Um, I've worked quite a few different areas. I, I would say the majority of, of my career has been in the southern parts of the city, you know. I've worked in Bayview and Mission and Singleside and Southern, Tenderloin, parts of the Fillmore, you know, just kind of. Uh, I don't make it too much over to, to like, uh, North Beach or uh, <laughs> Marina. <laughs> I guess you yeah, yeah. that much drugs. Because you don't really have to be undercover in the marina. Yeah. So would you say, in your opinion, is, is Hunter's Point the most dangerous area of the city? Like Bayview? Oh, it certainly has. It certainly has very dangerous areas. I think uh, there are other neighborhoods that are just as dangerous, just small pockets. You know, Hunter's Point tends to be a bunch of, of areas kind of close together, so it's so like Fillmore is just dangerous, or or the Alamany Project, the Sunnydale uh, Project, Double Rock. All of those areas are, are equally dangerous as the um, Hunters Point is. It's just a little more congested, I suppose, in Hunters Point. Well, I know, personally, I feel safer walking around the loin than I do in the Fillmore area. Because they're all cracked out. That's why they're not even looking at you. Yeah. So, I want to hear a couple stories here. What what was one of the most bizarre cases you ever worked on? Bizarre? I, you know, I don't even know how to define bizarre anymore, I suppose, you know. I mean, but I imagine you probably encounter a lot of weird shit in this city. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, things are so bizarre, your, your sense of reality just kind of gets altered. You become desensitized after yeah. a while. Yeah, you really, you really do. 
I imagine. So how often do you ever have to deal with like violent, I mean, violent arrests where you got to like pull out your gun? Um, that's probably less frequent. Most people just, you know, just try to run if they don't want to go to jail, you know? So is that true? Like what you, when you see it on the, the TV show, cops, people just take off and you got to run and tackle them? Yeah, pretty much. For the most part, you don't get a lot of people that, that really, um, really, they fight to get away, but they don't really fight, fight. So they, so, but I mean, do they, they recognize like, all right, I'm busted as a cop. There's no point in me fighting him or resisting. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, some people just give it up. Others, it's really different. That's one of the things about it is you really never know what's going to happen until it's over usually. So have you ever been injured on the job? Uh, yeah. What, what happened? Did you get shot? Uh, no. I've been shot at, but they missed, fortunately. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you thank God. Us, do you tell us about that? Um, let's see. That's kind of... If I'm too specific, it'll, it'll kind of narrow down who I am. Uh, oh, okay, right, right, yeah. Right. You want to be vague about it. I would just certainly say, you know, was uh, someone who really, really didn't want to go to jail. <laughs> Wow, but that but that's a rarity though. I mean, it's not common that it's like a full on gunfight in the middle of the tenderloin. Right. Yeah. It's absolutely absolutely a rarity. I mean, I've chased you know probably over fifty guys with guns that I knew had guns or I saw had guns in their hands. They never you know turned it on me or or attempted to shoot anything like that. They were just trying to get away or get rid of them. So right. Yeah, and I imagine it's rare for them to actually for, for anyone to actually back that cop. So when, so typically, like, when a, a police officer is injured, I mean, you're there with a partner, though, that has your back, right? Um, you know, most of the time, you know, there's certainly circumstances where you somewhere by yourself, hopefully uh, help is close, but you're not in a situation where you're doing something that's dangerous. Yeah. So have you ever, like, do you consider some of the relationships, you know, you've, you've made working undercover like do you I mean do you know some of these guys on a personal level now where you see them you joke around yeah yeah most most of the guys that I've arrested I I, I would I'm able to joke around with I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty atypical for a cop I think I'm pretty easy going I let I let whoever I'm dealing with with set the tone you know I don't really uh, come at people over the top you know I'm pretty respectful and uh, it's kind of a like a working relationship you know I, Chances are people you arrest uh, are going to be back out on the street at some point, so there's no no use in making enemies, you know, just let them know you're doing a job. Yeah, They tend to respect that in general. Yeah, that kind of leads into my next question. What happens when you do arrest somebody? <laughs> do you take them in yourself, you you, you know, or do you, do you call for your partner to pull up in a car? Like, well, what, what What's the process? Uh, really, it really depends on the, the, the circumstances, on where you are and what kind of car you have and what you're doing, you know. I mean, there are certainly times when people are arrested and bought, brought uh, straight down to the county jail and uh, just bought, brought right in and booked right in the county jail. Other times you are, are brought to the station and go through a book process in the station and wait uh, for some period of time to be transferred back down to the county jail. So when when you've arrested them and they're in the county jail, is your are you, is your job pretty much done at that point? Um, yeah, well, depending on if, if you're in a situation where you have to transfer uh, someone down there and go in and book them you have to be involved in that but otherwise you, you know you may be just writing a writing a report but for the for the average for the average just cop work street that's about it unless you're working as a, an investigative unit then you have to go through a, a whole another process with the uh, district attorney's office in terms of determining whether their charges are actually going to be filed against the person yeah I mean, oh, okay. how often does that you know do they uh get kicked out like uh, you know, the charges get kicked and they just go straight back out on the street again. Does that happen a lot? Or? Um, yeah, it does. It happens quite a bit. And um, I really have no idea what the percentages are, but um, certainly a majority of the cases where people are arrested, they're released, and no charges are ever pressed. That must be pretty frustrating for you if you, you know spend all that time and effort bringing them in and, and all the paperwork involved and stuff, and then they get kicked straight back out again. Yeah, it sure can be. It sure can be. Sometimes, uh, I mean... Basically, the, the district attorney's office has a higher standard uh, to hold someone than officers do in terms of just arresting you. So right. uh, you, you may have enough to arrest the person, but you don't meet the standard for the, the district attorney's office, and they get released. That Sometimes just you got to shrug your shoulders at it. Sometimes yeah. you, know, you 
see, oh yeah, well we we didn't do this or this didn't happen, and there's some of the things, the elements that were needed that aren't there, and you learn to kind of understand it. And there's other times where it was maybe on the fence where you thought they should have and they didn't. You know, it wasn't your decision, and it leaves a little sour taste in your mouth. But you just keep plugging away. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just uh, the kind of the attitude you sort of have to have. Yeah. So, a couple general questions I've always I've always wondered about here, and definitely you have experienced this matter. Do people really hide drugs in different areas of their body? <laughs> like, is it true? Do, do people hide drugs in their asshole? Absolutely. <laughs> so, whose responsibility is it to retrieve the evidence? <laughs> you know, hopefully, the, hopefully the person actually gives it up themselves. That's the preferred method. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you guys, when you arrest them, I mean, they have to like give that up right well i mean basically it depends on the circumstance but you know typically typically you know some people like to store their 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 drugs just in their basically their cleavage i suppose you know their ass cleavage you know now, so it drops out when they're being searched right well that's where they just store it where they grab it easily and it and when you're just say uh doing a search for someone for weapons you're not going to necessarily find that um but then if they know they're going to jail, then they'll reach in and just tuck it into their, you know, into their prison wallet, you know? <laughs> their prison uh, wallet. <laughs> so when you guys do find it, I mean, do they try to make an excuse? Like, I had no idea that was in there. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't heard that one. I've heard that, you know, I didn't know these these aren't my pants. You know, I guess it's supposed hard to say this isn't my asshole, you know? <laughs> But, I mean, you see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of guys with, like, crack in their mouths and stuff like that, and then, like, reaching for I mean, like, do, do people ever, like, swallow they swallow it? Yeah, that's one of the reasons why why dealers like to keep dope in their mouth is, it, is uh, they know that if, if you get a user or, or you see them do a deal and you don't have any dope on them, they don't have to, they don't go to jail. There's, just, there's no incentive to right. book them without the drugs. So if they keep it in their mouth, that uh, makes it easier, easier to swallow, and they keep you know, they keep heroin in there, too. They keep... But, I mean, that must be pretty dangerous. I mean, like, I know it's in, like, baggies or whatever, but, I mean, you know, like, that can break and split and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, crack probably be uh, the least dangerous because it's not a water... It's not water-soluble. Oh. Yeah, but I imagine you could probably die if you're ingesting heroin. Like right, that. right. Heroin and, and and stuff like coke or, or meth, stuff like that is is really bad if you swallow it. So, you know, the tenderloin is rife with prostitutes. I mean, there's so many, there's so many different crimes going on at the same time. If, if you're out there looking for drug sellers, what if, what if there's like a pimp and seven prostitutes, you know, right across the street from you? Do you ever have to like, be like, all right, well, this crime's going on right now. I got to go, you know, arrest these prostitutes right now. Well, you know, I haven't, like, I haven't done a lot of stuff with, like, prostitutes and stuff. I haven't really done any kind of vice stuff like that. I don't I don't really know. It kind of depends on what your focus is. If you're out there working and your goal was to get prostitutes off the street that night, you'd probably deal with prostitutes. If you're dealing with uh, your your goal for the night was to deal with the dope, and you'd be getting the guys selling dope. Right, right. You know, kind of kind of depends along along that line. I always wondered though, with the uh, the the cops that are working vice for the prostitutes, do they would they prefer dealing with the transvestite hookers <laughs> or the regular female ones? Like, which ones are the most cooperative? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't really have any experience with with that in terms of prostitutes but uh, i mean i think everyone's everyone's their their own person and you know a lot of those people who are transgendered or or, or whatever are quite characters you know sometimes they're co- pretty comedic just like anybody else is and yeah. entertaining you know yeah there, there certainly are a lot of characters yeah. in the tenderloin yeah, yeah. yeah definitely <laughs> well officer 43 thanks for being on the show you know i've always I've, i find your job fascinating and i you know and uh, it's it's good to know that there are people like you out there. Well, cool. Thanks for having me. Hope hope we gave you some insight on some stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure I'll see you around. I just don't know who you are. So, <laughs> but thanks good. again. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. All right, cheers. Thanks. All right, bye. Take it easy. Bye. Well, that was interesting. Yeah, albeit a bit tight-lipped <laughs> for an interviewee. Yeah, I guess. You know, I kind of thought I kind of expected that though. But yeah, I, you know, I kind of thought he'd maybe uh, share a couple more stories. Yeah. But then he can't give away his identity. Exactly. So and, exactly. you know, you never know who might be listening. Exactly. So. Yeah. And, and we do have all those crack dealers in the Tenderloin <laughs> that uh, are part of the sick and wrong army. The swarm. <laughs> the swarm. But seriously, though, dude, you know, I, I admire I admire that. I, I honestly just could not. 
I just don't think I had the wherewithal to be a vice, like to be an undercover cop like that. Well, I mean, like how, like you know, I mean, there must be days when you feel gung ho about that kind of, you know, like oh yeah, I want to go out and you know fight crime or whatever. And then there must be some days when you're just like, you know what, I do, really do not want to face these crazy freaks. You well, know? you kind of brought it up so, where you're like, I mean, do you? Still feel you're making a difference when you see the guy out in the street in the afternoon, yeah. the guy yeah. that you just arrested. Yeah, it must be. That and must that, be demoralizing when you see that. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think I would just lose heart after a while. But yeah. I find it interesting that in the case of of Officer Forty Three here, he had a totally different career, and then someone's yeah. like, "You should take the test." Yeah, and then he decided to change his career completely and do something that would jeopardize his life. I yeah. mean, it's. Right. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think cops just kind of cops and people in the military, you know, have this this uh, mindset where it's like they're willing to do this, whether it's for ethics or principles, right? Or whether for I mean, I think some people out there are thrill seekers. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just think it's it's a mindset that I don't know. Uh, Scared, intimidated Jews just don't have. <laughs> well, Neurotic Jews just don't have it. I mean, like I, I, I like to to I live it, I live it through the t, you know sense of TV and and movies. I mean, I moved to I, I a bit that I moved to San Francisco because of uh, the Dirty Harry movies. I remember watching them when I was a kid with my dad. You know, like twelve years old or whatever, watching watching Dirty Harry and Magnum Force and all those movies, and like, wow, that's a great city to live. And you know, Streets of San Francisco, that that t- the TV show with Carl Malden and Michael oh, yeah, Douglas yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that, there's the re- been quite a few cop dramas. They're the reasons the why I moved to San Francisco. Those were those. Well, shows. why would you be a cop? Well, could you do it? Do you think you could? Do you have <laughs> well, it think, in you? I think the problem initially was, uh, you know, do you I, have the mitre to be a cop? I wasn't. I wasn't. Li- you know, legally living oh, yeah. here at that point, which is probably is a, is a black mark again. Against me, so. I kind of like that the sleazy e illegal cop. <laughs> you could be a Bobby in San Francisco with, with a tail on his head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just run around with your what do they carry? Batons, little billy clubs. No, what do you call it? A truncheon. You don't even get a gat. I actually had my uh, my uh, my mom's my mom's uh, dad, my granddad. He uh, he was a cop during the Second World War, and I have his truncheon. Um, really? Yeah, and it actually has a little nick out of it where supposedly he threw it at at a, at a crowd. Yeah, <laughs> and tripped him up. You know, it's funny though. Have you seen any vice cops like sweeps when they make those sweep arrests? Yeah, dude. In the actually, right outside my house, like, was it last week? I was walking home, and oh my, it was insane. There was like probably like six, uh, you know, black and white cars. Then like maybe three or four uh, regular, you know, like. You know that look Crown Victorias, whatever they are. You know, but like plain clothes and stuff. And it was just flashing lights and people running everywhere and stuff. I don't know what the hell was going on. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, but that's you a, see that a lot. You know, like my. You know, I see like, it once a month over here. I'm yeah. on my street corner, right yeah. by the Cigar Studio yeah. on O'Farrell. I mean, once a month they do a sweep. Yeah, yeah. On Ellis. a clean house, and then they're all back. Like, uh, like back the next then day. Back that afternoon, yeah. next day, yeah. smoking crack and <laughs> dealing drugs again. And I think it's just kind of that's just how it is. It's the game. Yeah. But you know, it's. Yeah, it, it 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 certainly does crack me up though. But I find it funny that these cops claim to be undercover. I mean, he kind of brought that up. He's like, "We're more plain clothes. It's not like we're right. undercover because right. people know." But they totally do know. These guys, these yeah. dealers, can smell a cop from like a mile away. Right. But and they you start hearing them yell, "Fabo, Fabo," and then they all like scatter. Right. But then again, like you know, like uh, he he wouldn't he. I mean, he wouldn't be out there if he wasn't busting people and stuff. So I mean, they're either. Like stupid, or they're you yeah. Know, I imagine, you know, and he said there's dealers desperate. that come from all over, you know. And yeah, yeah. To, to, <laughs> yeah, you know. I imagine if you can't recognize the guy that arrested you, the you probably day. shouldn't be dealing drugs. <laughs> that's not that's not the vocation that's suited for you. Yeah, you know, go to McDonald's, yeah. and that might be a little bit better. But still, though, you know, I'm, I'm glad Officer Forty Three is on the show. I've always wanted to talk to you. I've always wanted to talk to an SF cop, yeah. and I've emailed. Several different SF cops I've read about that you know in the in the in the Chronicle or whatever. Right. None of them said they would do yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm I'm you know definitely stoked and uh, impressed that Officer Forty Three is willing to come on the show. Cool. Thanks for hooking that up. Uh, people, uh, this uh, you know we got a few phone calls to get to here to the Sick and Wrong Hotline. We got a, an email I want to talk about Sick and Wrong Podcast Hotmail dot com. People, call us. You don't have to be drunk. You can be high. 206-666-3846 is that number. We've got a few phone calls to get to. Before we get to that, how about a word from our sponsor, adamandeve.com. Hey, kids, do you like sex toys? Yeah! 
Then go to adamandeve.com and make a purchase using coupon code DIDDLE. You'll get 50% off your first item, three free adult DVDs, free shipping, and a gift so sensual I can't even mention it on this podcast about murder and bukkake. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E, like your uncle used to do to you. So yeah, Sleazy, we got a few phone calls, these Sick and Wrong hotline. Um, I think they're kind of, I try to keep them in the vein of the the crime theme, like the law enforcement crime theme. So I think the first call is a cop from Arizona. Wow, okay. He's probably busting Mexicans. So let's play call number one. (laughs) Hey, what's going on, guys? D, Lance, what up? This is Mike down in Texas. Got a story for you to see if you think it's sick and wrong. Well, I'm probably law enforcement from Arizona, and uh, one day I go into work, and they tell me that I got hospital watch, right? So I head off to the hospital, hospital and uh, the guy I'm relieving tells me that the guy I'm taking care of is fucking hit by a car and he's been in a coma for like a week and uh you know whatever i go in there and <clears throat> i take my fucking food in there too is right i got fucking jack in the box and shit and uh i go in there and, there and just, this motherfucker has a big did he just say he took his jack in the box into the hospital <laughs> to deal with this uh <laughs> he's like i took my food in there i, I remember when they had uh what was that excrement in jack in the box all that you know e coli but i don't remember the other way around did you know, you all know i don't need a jack in the box yeah because they sell jack sauce it's called jack sauce you can buy extra jack sauce you can get extra jack sauce with your burger i don't want to eat anything called jack sauce i mean i know it's probably just ketchup you're putting maybe, jack on and then jacking it off I, whatever yeah. it is it, it's called jack sauce it's uh, disgusting so this guy's a cop he's on hospital it, watch is so it this, creamy is it like white creamy sauce or what I think it's like the, their jack in the box is particular brand of ketchup is called uh, jack sauce gotcha. like Taco Bell has Taco Bell hot sauce and fire right, sauce right. jack in the box has jack, jack sauce but it's just gross when they're like do you want more jack sauce in your burger it's just like <laughs> no I do not want your jack sauce on my garden Dude, burger. Right, so anyway, he's on hospital watch, and he's eating his jack sauce right now. Big fucking basketball-sized shit on his stomach. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, whatever. The guy leaves. I sit down. I start enjoying my food or whatever. And uh, the nurse comes in. And you know, I say hi to her, and she fucking... She tells me, you want to see what, what happened to this guy? And I'm like, not really, but... She fucking pulls up his fucking, I guess and shit and this motherfucker's guts are basically hanging out of his stomach and shit yeah. it was fucking disgusting dude I mean I guess they, he didn't even have enough skin to cover it all up that they had to fucking fill some parts in with foam I don't know what's up with that but that was fucking disgusting man uh, well that was pretty sick and uh, you know I just enjoyed my food shit fucking I'm not gonna fucking not eat seeing that shit and uh yeah man all the the part I felt bad about is that I still had to fucking fingerprint this motherfucker. And that is not easy. Fucking comatose motherfucker. Anyway, guys, uh, keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Love the show. Talk to you guys later. Talk about cops being desensitized. If you're able to actually continue eating your jack-in-the-box while some disemboweled felon is sitting next to you in a coma, yeah, I, I mean, I, that, that's a level of of desensitization that I, I only a professional could reach. Yeah, I mean, just think of the, not in the visuals, but like the, you know, the the, the smells and the sounds. Yeah, and, and still, you know, I, I picture this guy to be like, nothing's going to disturb my donuts. These are my donuts. I'm going to eat my donuts. Well, it's one thing is donuts, you know, it's like, but, but when you're eating like a burger, I mean, it relates to what you just saw underneath the guy's dress, like, you know, like, yeah, it looks like it's guts. Yeah, guts. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he like when the nurse left the room just took some jack sauce and poured it on his like <laughs> his guts hanging out. Wow, that was disgusting. But uh thanks for calling in. Uh you know, I don't know are those are the next calls I think they're somewhat law enforcement related, maybe. Yeah, well we were talking about the uh the prison wallet, right? Prison yeah. wallet. Okay, all right. This is in the vein of the prison wallet. D Lance. My name's Rob. Uh, work my way through the back catalog. I just finished like 116. 
and you're talking about the different types of contraceptives for women throughout the years. And uh, we made a comment about shoving Mentos in someone's badge and seeing if it would explode like a two-liter soda bottle. Well, I don't know about that, but I do know if you use... Uh... Oh, fuck. Anyway, uh, Alka-Seltzer. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, this guy... This guy's got to be high. <laughs> he's got to be high on Space something. Space cadet. You know, whether he's, like, huffing spray paint or something, this guy's got to be high. But, you know, I do recall this episode. It was, I think it was around 115, 160 or something. We were talking about all the different forms of contraception. And then, you talked about... Well, we, we were wondering if, if, if someone impregnated a girl, like spermicidal foam or something, if you right. just jammed a couple Mentos in there, if it would, would foam it, it up and kill the sperm. Or, like, just blow all the semen out. Yeah, like, and just, like, shoot it out. Like, a, <laughs> like you know, like a, a Mentos bomb, because you can make a Mentos bomb. Right, right. But so, that, yeah. Okay. So this guy took it one step further, and he has a, a friend of a friend who uh, shoves some Alka-Seltzer in his girl's snatch. Yeah, I don't know where, where what happens when you do that. This guy I work with told me that if I shoved Alka-Seltzer tablets up my girlfriend's pussy and ate her out, it'd be really good for her because it would fizz and foam and, you know, stimulate her vagine. I mean, that's like the uh, with the whole thing with the pop rocks and stuff. Pop rocks and blowjobs, right? Kind of thing, right? Isn't that what you're talking about? Yeah, but th- that doesn't really work. Does that make a difference? <laughs> Have you ever had that? <laughs> yeah, but I love how it's like he's got a buddy at work that's like, "Yeah, dude, totally." Take yeah, Alka Seltzer, shove it in dude. your pussy, see what happens. It's like you don't want to listen to your buddy saying that. I mean, I've told because no one's going to be laughing at you the next day. You did that. Ah, I've know. told people it's just like, dude, just put some Tabasco sauce in her asshole, stick, <laughs> stick your dick in there. It's just like it feels so good, like a crazy orgasm, you know. But I mean, obviously, his friend's fucking with him, but he did it. Well, instead, all it did was make her queef uncontrollably for about 45 minutes. So, not quite the geyser of, like, a Mentos in a pot bottle, but uh, I guess it's like a queef, yeah, thing going on. Anyway, just thought I'd share. Enjoy, faggots. So I was like, queen, she was Queen Laquifa for the night? I love how this guy's his own personal Mythbuster. <laughs> he's, like, he's like on Mythbusters, but his own Mythbusters. And he, he kind of forces his girlfriend to participate in his Mythbusting activities. <laughs> he's like, okay, what we're going to do here today is this. just prove. I've heard that Alka-Seltzer uh, makes your vagina foam. And uh, you know we're going to do this and do this experiment, see what happens. And his girlfriend's like, yeah, I'm a willing participant. Let's do this. Yeah. And just made her queef. Well, I wonder if the film's on YouTube or something. Although, you know what, though, to be honest, I love when a girl queefs during sex. I love, I live for the queef. Like the long, 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 long queef? The trumpet queef, the, the <laughs> little, like, yeah, it, it doesn't even matter. I think queefs are hilarious. They're funnier than farts because farts are kind of gross. Because farts smell. smell. Yeah. yeah, but queefs, it's yeah. just kind of like, I actually. And most girls get so embarrassed. Uh, and, they, and they totally are like, oh my god, I'm so it's 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 air, and they try to justify it, and yeah. it's just like I know what it is, and I gave that to you, and I try to give it to him because sometimes like air you, injection, you know, well you'll you know have sex with a girl from behind or whatever, you move positions or like you know stand on your legs where you're fucking her doggy style, and it's like the air gets in there, you know she's gonna queef. I mean, yeah. it's my goal to see how right. many queefs I can get. It's like skipping a stone. <laughs> you know, it's like I get like eight skips there. It's like, well, I just got nine queefs. Wow. That's a personal record. I mean, she might be a little embarrassed about it, but at least she didn't fart. So that's what the notches on your bedposts are. Exactly. That's right. what it means. Right. <laughs> what, what's the third call here? Hey, guys. Love your show. I'm way behind. I'm not caught up with you yet, but this is Mark or Flat Top in Michigan buddy I work with that he uh, with a girl went down on her put a crack rock in her pussy and he said her pussy started uh, just overflowing and foaming up and all that and I was wondering if you guys ever heard of that uh, hopefully when I catch up you guys all hear this story but uh, crack rock in the pussy that sounds crazy to me you guys are awesome later yeah of um, course of course I've heard of that it's called tenderloin alka-seltzer <laughs> I mean <laughs> Who made you, like why why are you guys like the authority for this like oh you know like have you heard of it I mean 
Yeah, I you know I I I don't know why like this guy Wikipedia thinks that we've for... done this or something. Yeah, for depraved acts. Uh, you know, I, I I this should probably be on Urban Dictionary. It should it's be called probably, like tenderloin alcazelser or something. That's what that's what I imagine. Not the safest thing to really try or do. I would but never you, even think of doing that. Yeah, but you know, I've put drugs in a girl's. I've dated girls who put drugs in their assholes. Yeah, but like our officer said earlier, like that, like crack isn't water soluble. So is it like? I'm amazed. I actually kind of call bullshit on it foaming like that. Yeah. I can see uh, Alka-Seltzer foaming because, yeah. I mean, it's re- releasing yeah. carbon dioxide right. or, or gas or whatever, but crack? Definitely. I mean, I can see it, like, maybe making, like, a whitish paste, giving her a nasty yeast infection. <laughs> yeah. <But> probably <laughs> since it's been in some crack dealer's yeah, mouth. some crack dealer's mouth. But, uh, yeah, I don't really see it making some crazy foam. But, you know, I would have loved to have heard the conversation of him convincing the girl to stick a crack rock in her pussy. What do you think pussy. he told her? He just did it. You know what would be worse, though, is if, uh, you know, I guess he said he's from Michigan. He probably picked her up in Detroit, and she probably was like, she probably suggested it. Ooh. I it's, imagine it happens a lot. I bet you it's quite frequent in Detroit. It's like, yeah, stick a crack rock in my well, pussy. You know, they heard it doing like, you know, like, uh, uh, what do you call them, booty bumps and stuff. They're like, well, we don't have any real cocaine, but we have some crack. Let's try that. <laughs> Enhances the pleasure. All right, we got one more call here. Sticking on Highline. What's uh, the final call? Hey, Dave and Lance. This is uh, Mike from Aspen. I just wanted to tell you a quick story about a strip club. I know you all are down with those, so I figured it'd be all right. Anyway, I went to a strip club, and I ended up outside under my car door. Yeah. Don't remember what happened. Don't remember how I got there. But that's what happened. All right. Peace. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, one anticlimax. I mean, you hear you want all these like wonderful like champagne room and all this and that. Hands down. That's the worst strip club story (laughs) I've ever heard in my entire life. I've worked at strip clubs. You've worked at strip clubs. That's the worst strip club story I've ever heard. Because if Uh, you think about it. When someone says, yeah, I went to a strip club and I have a prefaces, story. Yeah, prefaces with like this, you were like, you want some, yeah, you know but something's going to But, I mean, it, it's a good lead-in because you're kind of like, it's a lot interest. can happen at a strip club. I mean, there's titties, there's naked chicks, there's drugs, there's, there's bouncers, there's probably organized crime. Yep. A lot can happen. This guy's like, yeah, dude, I got a strip club story for you. <laughs> and I passed out. And I passed I, out I and ended up under my car. <laughs> so, you know, seriously, dude, you got to work on your delivery here yeah. <laughs> of your story. I would, you, the, the problem with this guy, his story had a plot, had a beginning. There was no conflict. There was no denouement. Straight, well, there's nothing in the middle. They jumped straight to the end. I mean, if we yeah, had but a, there like, wasn't even a climactic point of that story. <laughs> it was just like straight from, and then I just was passed out in my car. Uh, I like to. It's like it's kind of like that, you know, the Hangover movie where you like you don't really know what happened. You just sort of and they're chasing around trying to find their friend, and then at the end you see all the pictures of what happened that night. So, what do you think that his friends have a Polaroid camera out there? I, and there's a bunch of pictures. I'm hoping with their balls on like, his forehead, <laughs> maybe in his mouth. Sit. <laughs> and they're going to send it to us later on. Dude, you're lucky you didn't get an eel shoved up your asshole. That's all I got to oh, say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, next time, I think you should work on the uh, the, the overall narrative. Or just kind of wear, like, wear, wear a camera. Or Make something. something up. Yeah, exactly. If you have exactly. to. Why not? People call Cigar on Hotline 206-666-3846. We do always love to hear from you unless you have a really shitty strip club story that goes nowhere. Also, make sure you email us. At uh, cigaronpodcast at hotmail.com. We only, uh, we only have time for one email here, but it's a good one. It's, uh, it's, it's about a movie that I kind of want to see. Um, this guy wrote in, hey guys, been listening since around episode 200. I've been going through the archives chronologically for the last month or so. I've gone from the first episode to around the 60th at this point. It's a lot. Especially, those, those are all like the shitty early episodes. They weren't shitty, they're good. I wouldn't even listen to those. Love the show, it keeps me entertained during my tedious factory work day. I thought this film, The Human Centipede, might be of interest to you or fans of the uh, podcast in general. Maybe just the concept. Have you heard this movie, Human Centipede? Yes, I've seen the trailer for it, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, is it out? 
I think it's about to be out. I think it's like around. Or is this, uh, a, or is this like a straight to DVD kind no, of? No, well, no, well, I don't. You know, maybe in the mid, you know, in middle America, you won't be able to see it. But it sounds like, brilliant, though. <laughs> uh, so the concept. He goes. I have no idea how your tastes in movies have evolved over the years. I don't recall hearing about this on the show either. So here are the goods. Um, he did. He attached a poster and a link to a trailer. Uh, maybe uh, I'll post a trailer to the forum or something. Um, I've yet to see it myself, and well-known critics like Ebert pan the shit out of it so much as to not even rate it. Yeah, you know what, though? Have you seen recent pictures of Roger Ebert? I've seen that. Where they he kind of looks like a human centipede. There's yeah. something going on with There's that some, guy. Well, didn't he, didn't he have like a chin transplant or some kind of facial transplant or something? You know, I thought a chimpanzee like bit <laughs> off his face. I, you know, I have no idea what the hell happened to that guy. But no, it was like he mouth, got, he yeah. had like mouth cancer. And yeah, the but cancer it was pretty of the bad. And cancer and of the nose. Have, yeah, and they took off his whole face, yeah. and then they gave him like a tiny portion of a face that just yeah. doesn't really amount to. He looks like a milky face. blob. Like it's just like kind of like melted. Plastic. I think this movie just hit home for him. Yeah, so that's why I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. He says it's been well received by horror aficionados on the series of the tubes. On the series of tubes, mostly due to its originality. Basically, this crazy fucking German surgeon kidnaps a few tourists. You know, it's a German surgeon. Because yeah. only a German would do this. Yeah. And uh, his plan is to sew them ass to mouth, ass to mouth, to form a human centipede. Not quite a centipede, right? Centipede's 100, 100 legs, right? So. Depends on how many <laughs> tourists you kidnap. Exactly. It's a lot of thread, though. Yeah. And, but, um, but I like his idea. I do like his idea. So the first person shits in the second person's mouth. <laughs> That's how it just keeps feeding each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last one's not going to get much nutrients, are they? With a plot like that, though, how could you not want to see it? That sounds amazing. A couple of miscellaneous things regarding my chronological audio journey from the beginning. You guys were on a serial killer kick way back in the archives. You know, we don't really talk about serial killers all that often. We do every now and then, but well, I really hate serial killers. Really? Uh, I mean, you know, it's not, you know, because you're, you're going back in history. I mean, there hasn't been any recent ones there's, of note. There's been a there? few, but I like bringing up serial killers every now and then. Yeah. Wackily really hate serial killers. So well, we don't usually so, go off on this. But at the same time, I understand. Sick and Wrong is about current crimes. It's not about yeah. like, oh, this is the most horrific serial killer of all time. And, but I mean, but we, we do talk about it every now and then. We haven't had any re- recently. What's going on? Are we like, are we like, are we evolving? Did we have Torture civilized? Kill, BTK, not too long ago. Uh, they found the Green River Killer about two years ago. Yeah, but he was prolific in the But every now so. and then, you know, there's an article about Richard Ramirez or somebody that pe- piques yeah. our interest, so we, we discuss it here on the show. This serial killer that uh, this guy mentions here, um, his favorite serial killer is Richard Chase. Hmm. Uh, the reason he liked him so much is because of how absurd and completely insane he was. Richard Chase, do you, do you remember this guy? I don't know. No. This guy was a, the only reason I know about it, because I know a lot about serial killers, but this guy was, the, he was known as the Vampire Sacramento. I think right. he was uh, active in the late 70s, mid-70s. Right. Full on whack job. Total whack job. He would like drink the blood and cannibalize his victims. But he was completely insane. And uh, he ended up, I think, uh, committing suicide in this prison. This is pretty topical, though, with the, uh, you know, the, the fandom of, uh, you know, what's it, uh, Twilight and all the... Twilight, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They're vampires. Maybe they can, like, you know, offset the ridiculousness of, of, of like, the lovey, like, vampires to, Actually, like, get I, your... I, I like where you're going with this. Yeah. I would love if Richard Chase was in Twilight instead of uh, Edward Penishead. What's Robert his name? Pe- Robert, oh, Robert Pattinson. Okay. <laughs> Sully way off hands. there. But, uh, Robert, yeah, Robert Penis Hands. But if Richard Chase was in it, it'd probably be a better movie. Um, but Richard Chase, like, he claimed in court that he drank blood because of his delusion that Nazis wished to turn his blood into powder via poison that they had hid beneath his soap dish. Wow. Dude is full on wax. He was wow. crazy. He also writes, I've never had Thai whiskey that you guys talked about, but, but your distaste for, distaste for it reminds me of the rancid Filipino whiskey I once tried in their country. It's horrible. Anyway, keep it sick, keep it wrong, guys, and fuck you to hell, Wackerly, if you leave sick and wrong for some asinine bullshit of your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I worry about that. Wackerly might tr- try to start up his own uh, sci-fi club podcast. You never know. <laughs> it might happen. A podcast uh, by nerds for nerds. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Uh, people can email the show at sickandwrongpodcast.com. We do always love to hear from you. 
Um, also, uh, if you haven't joined the forum, I don't know what you're waiting for. There's a lot of people on the forum. We got like around 5,000 people on there. Wow. Um, we have some new developments. Um, I think we mentioned before that we have, we're going to relaunch com. Yes. Uh, fans redesigned the website for us. So I think there's going to be some changes coming up. Can't wait for that. Um, yeah, new forum. I think we're going to be hosting a new host for the forum. And uh, But we're going to keep the same. The, the, basically, we're, we're going to keep the same forum. We're just going to transfer it to our, our new website. But uh, the forum's a great place to go and uh, meet fellow deviants, fellow members of the swarm. So go check it out. You can link to it right off the main page, com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on iTunes. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why you don't have iTunes, actually. <laughs> if you, you should, seriously, it's like if you don't listen to the show on iTunes, you probably don't have a computer. Right. Which means there's how do you listen to the show if you don't have a computer? Yeah, maybe... Um, maybe your friend listens to it on his computer because you know he's a, a modern person who lives in right. the technological age, and he relates the show to you. Yeah, he could put it on, a good friend. load it onto your, pocket, onto your uh, iPod or something. Or possibly uh, you force your wife to listen to the show <laughs> and tell you about it. But what you should do is buy yourself a fucking computer, you know, you fucking Luddite, and then get iTunes, subscribe to the show, leave us a comment, give us a five-star rating, because it really does help us out, gives us some good exposure. Yes. Yeah, we've been ranked up there with uh, Corolla and right next to the Nerdist. So it does give us exposure when you uh, give us that five-star rating. We appreciate it. Also, make sure you buy a Sick and Wrong tee from the Sick and Wrong store. Um, you know, I'm running out of uh, T-shirts of the current design. Yeah, so what are you going to do? I've been thinking about making a new shirt. I think so, yeah. You know, uh, a while back we had some uh, fans design a bunch of logos for us, and we ended up... Um, you used a, a few of those on the Cafe Press store. Yeah, right? I used them Cafe Press, and we ended up uh, going with our own logo this time. But I have some logos that I've been, you know, kind of holding back on. Nice. Waiting to make a shirt out of. So, yeah, you know, once we sell out of the uh, current shirt, I think we're going to make some new ones, and... Uh, you're going to be surprised, people. We get, some, we get some tricks up our sleeve. So go order yourself a tea right now. Sick and Wrong Store. It does help us out. Or go check out the new and improved Cafe Press Store. There's a link to it right in the store section of the website. Uh, finally, here we're going to end the show with the Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. Our special dedication to the San Francisco Police Department. A San Francisco band. Yeah. Or Bay Area band. They're no, East Bay, weren't they? Or are they SF? Well, uh, I mean, Jello lived in the city, didn't he? But I mean... Uh, We're talking about the dead Kennedys here. Yeah, dead, yeah Jello B. Alfred lived in the city, but I think uh, East Bay Ray lived in the East uh, Bay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a Bay Area band here. Bay Area punk yeah. band, Dead Kennedys. Uh, their song, Police Truck... Yeah, check and, the lyrics. Uh, yeah, we're going to dedicate that to the uh, SFPD. Didn't you just run into Jello the other day? Yeah, I was at a, a punk new a new punk band show. Uh, called what Fu- band? They're from Toronto. They're called uh, Fucked Up. Great band. Yeah, amazing, amazing band. Really fun and kind of political, so I guess that's why old Jello was there. Where, but- where was I that night? You were um, at the sci-fi convention, weren't you? <laughs> no, I didn't go. No, that, uh, no, I was hanging out with uh, with uh, with the missus. Yeah, with uh, with the ladies. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, it was a it was a good it was a good uh, good really good show. And uh, yeah, Jello was there. I remember God, trying to convince her to go to that. Did you say hi to Jello? It was funny. He was wandering around like who 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 recognized me? Who recognized me? And uh, you know, nobody gave any kind of like inkling of rec- of recognition to him. But so didn't he funny. lose a lot of weight? I heard he no. Looks he looks now. he looks like a grumpy old monster. Big and fat was, ball guy. Yeah, and he's hanging out with some like little with that like, annoying voice. <laughs> he was hanging out with a little munchkin. <laughs> he's punk rocks Woody Allen. That yeah, guy. Yeah, even yeah. though he's not Jewish. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, sing a wrong song of the week dedicated to SFPD. Please truck by the. The dead Kennedys. Thank you, Sleazy E, for being You're on the welcome. show for episode 228. Um, I always do love when you fill in. Uh, people will be back next week with episode 229. Till then, take it, Sleazy. <laughs>
uniform and a silver badge Play cops for real and play cops for pay Let's ride, pours her tea back, and you pull out your gun and you bust her for drinking her tea wrong? You ever have uh, that dream? Hey, what good cop doesn't? <laughs> 